Hey, it's Alana, and you're back for another episode of Black and Yellow Solo Cast. Welcome back, Black and Yellow Nation, to another episode. If this is your first time checking out the show, I am happy to have you with me today. This will be a fun, dare I say, sexy first episode if you are a new listener. Be sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss another sexy episode. And if you're a return listener, I'm happy to have you back once more. This is going to be a great conversation. So the topic of today's episode has been pinging around in my mind for a good while now. Uh, If you're a longtime listener, you already know this fact, but if you are a new listener, this is going to be a new fact to you. I am engaged and and am in the somewhat throes of wedding planning. Um... I say somewhat because with the Delta variant going around, wedding planning is slow going at the moment. And do not worry if weddings are not your thing. I completely understand this wedding. This episode is not about weddings. There will be no talk of weddings or wedding planning. I can't think of something honestly more boring to talk about than weddings and wedding planning. So do not log off just yet. Um... Because inevitably, when a wedding is being planned, there is another type of planning that is taking place too, and that is the planning of a bachelorette party. I don't know what this says about me as a person, but I'm going to admit it. I am vastly more excited about planning a bachelorette party than I am a wedding. And in communicating with my wedding party, I have one hard and fast rule that shall not be broken. And that rule in big, bold, all caps is no penis-shaped party decor. No penis straws, no penis necklaces, no penis suckers, no penis pinatas, no penis-shaped lipstick or pin the penis on the hunk party games or shot glasses or tumbler cups or garland or penis-shaped cake or cupcake toppers or sashes that proclaim to the world that I will be marrying the same penis forever. If it has a dick on it, I don't want it at my bachelorette party. I don't really get why dick-shaped paraphernalia has proliferated bachelorette parties for as long as I can remember. I just don't get it. My feminist heart uh, aches because to me, at a time where we're supposed to be celebrating women and female friendships and the next phase of life... I just don't know why there needs to be dicks from top to bottom being sucked on, being worn, the whole enchilada. My high-key hatred and resistance, shall I say, to penis-shaped party decor stems from a few different places. Number one, we're not in the 1950s anymore. We no longer exist in a time where women get in touch with their sexuality after marriage. Many women and non-binary individuals are in touch with their sexuality way before they get hitched. We don't need partners to help us find that out. We are able to navigate those waters on our own. And don't need to put on this performative display of our sexuality pre-wedding to prove that. 
And similarly along that line, I find that the messaging behind dick-decorated or dick-themed bachelorette parties tends to be one of, let's just inundate with the bride with as many dicks as she can possibly handle before she is no longer a fun and free individual and is saddled with a husband and 2.5 kids. And I don't know about you, but I find that messaging incredibly offensive. I think this is an obvious fact to state, but I will state it anyways. Even after someone gets married, they're still a free individual. Marriage doesn't take away your freedom. Point two, why do pre-wedding parties need to be celebrated with dicks? Uh, Yes, we love the owner of the penis we are going to marry, but must we strike and suck on and eat all sorts of dick-shaped paraphernalia. I mean, call me crazy. I just think the unlimited amount of booze and hanging out with my friends is the best part of any party, specifically of a bachelorette party. And point three, penis-decorated bachelorette parties are a totally heteronormative, weird tradition. This obsession and fascination with exploiting an external reproductive sex organ can be incredibly uncomfortable for non-binary bachelorette attendees. I do think I need to pause here to quickly note that in this episode, I am going to be discussing bachelorette parties uh, for heterosexual women simply because I'm a heterosexual straight woman. This is my lived experience. Uh, When I discuss and my guests discuss penises and penis decorations, it's generally through the perspective of a penis being attached to a man. However, I do want to say here and now that I know and fully acknowledge that people of many different gender identities are penis owners. I just want to say very quickly that I acknowledge that and that with a lot of purposes for this particular discussion, I'm going to be talking about penises um, in a pretty heteronormative way. And so with that said, on today's episode, we're going to talk about where the trend of penis-shaped party decor came from, why this trend persists, and if we will see this trend tapering off at any point in the future. What's the penis alternative? I would love to know, and we have a great guest on to talk to us about that. But first, we got to put our money where our mouth is. If you are a first-time listener, this is the part of the show where I encourage you to diversify your dollars. I want you to shop Black. I want you to shop Asian, whether you want to do it for environmental reasons, you want to support Black and Asian businesses. Many of them also tend to be female-owned businesses. If you want to support women-owned, this is your way to do it. You can engage in a small form of economic protest every single day, and that is by choosing where you spend your dollars. So the first company that I'm going to talk about, it's actually a book, and it is written by a well-known, much-loved Black female feminist. It's called All About Love by Bell Hooks. And the idea for this recommendation was, what do weddings and bachelorette parties have in common? Love. Of course, there's no shortage of love at either of those events. If you haven't read any Bell Hooks, I 100% implore you to do so. This is a great classic and a great place to start if you would like to. Um, This book offers 
really radical new insight and ways to think about love, whether it's um, how we show love, how we receive love. She talks about love in terms of its interconnectedness between our, our public lives and our private lives. It also goes into uh, self-love and not in the sort of narcissistic way, but honest, healthy, fulfilling self-love. This book is thought-provoking and definitely deserves a spot on your bookshelf or in your digital bookshelf. Grab yourself a copy wherever books are sold. Hopefully, wherever that place is, is a Black-owned or Asian-owned bookstore. If you need a quick recommendation, I suggest Loyalty Bookstore in, I believe it's in Silver Spring, Maryland. It is queer-owned and Black-owned. I love it. Shop with them if you want to pick up All About Love by Bell Hooks. And our Asian-owned business is actually going to be good for your oral hygiene. It's called Coco Floss, at Get Coco Floss on Instagram or across the socials. Do you floss regularly? Because I definitely do not. Try as I might, I am failing uh, pretty much all the time. And I am not alone. A 2018 study found that around 32% of adults ages 30 and above floss daily. What can I say? Flossing is boring and flossing is kind of easy to remember. Uh, But enter Christine Chu and her sister Catherine, who set out to make flossing less of a hassle. And dare I say, they even wanted to make flossing fun. Enter Coco Floss. This brightly colored packaging has serious countertop appeal if you're into that, and their floss is cruelty-free and coconut oil infused. It also comes in a ton of different flavors, so you can say bye-bye to that boring mint. I am eyeballing the strawberry flavor personally. So if you want to get your floss on, hop on over to CocoFloss.com. I will drop links to both of these, or I should say I will drop links to Coco Floss and uh, the book recommendation for Bell Hooks in today's show notes. But today, let's get to our interview, shall we? We have a great guest on for you. Dr. Lauren Rose Warren is an associate professor in the School of Social and Political Sciences at the University of Melbourne, Australia. She currently teaches in the areas of political science and gender studies and writes, comments, and speaks on a wide variety of topics, including gender, sexuality, politics, public policy, social media, pop culture, and technology. Lauren has authored 11 books, as well as journal articles, book chapters, and hundreds of opinion pieces in popular culture columns. She's also been widely cited in academic literature and is a regular contributor to a wide range of radio and television programs. Previously, she has co-hosted ABC Radio National's Stop Everything Pop Culture Program and Mamma Mia's Sealed Section Podcast. Lauren, welcome to the Black and Yellow Podcast. Thank you for having me. Let's start out by having you tell my audience a little bit more about the work that you do. Okay, so I'm an associate professor in political science, and most of my research looks at the intersection between gender, society, politics, and the media. So if I, you know, the elevator pitch of what it is that I do, (laughs) I really look at the way the media reflects us and how we get influenced by the media in response. And I kind of, I've got a disproportionate interest in topics that we don't get formal education about, and therefore the media sort of has a disproportionate 
discussion and impact, you know, topics like menstruation, masturbation, etc. Mm-hmm. because we don't get a huge amount of formal education in a school setting about these topics. So the media tends to fill in a lot of gaps, rightly or wrongly. Totally. And I can think of one topic where there is not a lot of research and the media fills in the gap. And that is definitely the tradition of bachelorette parties. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I think this is a classic example. You're not going to get a formal class on this in a school setting. So we get cultural information of all kinds about what is a normal thing to do socially around um, specific sort of life, stone, life milestones. And I think bachelorette parties are one of those examples. I think gender reveal parties are another in uh. that type of, you know, <laughs> uh, t- t- type of, of example where social media teaches us everything about these things because there's actually not a deluge of even research on them. Totally. Definitely. Well, let's just jump right into it. I want I'm curious to know where the tradition of bachelorette parties came from and how they rose in popularity. Yeah, look, this is a little bit, um, a little bit out of my realms of expertise in terms of the history. The rise sure. of prominence, though, has a lot to do with commercial culture and the fact that, for example, once there is money to be made about these things, <laughs> you tend to see an industry created around them. So just as we've always in living memory had weddings, weddings get disproportionately big and, you know, um, the flow on in- yeah, and the flow yeah. on industries that come out of it as a result of people having more disposable income. So we kind of see this from the 1950s onwards when capitalism, but also more broadly consumer culture, just gets amplified, you know, uh, quite enormously. And this isn't just the, you know, baby christenings and naming ceremonies and all of these (laughs) other things just became so much bigger in those years because, again, people had money, but also industries were created to, um, I don't want to use the word exploit, but to cash in on that. And that then perpetuates the production of ever bigger things. And you even just think about the engagement, sorry, the proposal, you know, whereas once it was just, you know, get down on one knee, now it's something you want to film for YouTube. And it's a full production. Yeah. And all of these things are as a result of a number of factors, money, industry. And now I think social media plays a big part in that as well. The sort of performed rituals of our culture. Ooh, yes. And I will definitely say that within bachelorette parties, there is a performative nature to them. Uh, When we introduce the penis phallic decor of a bachelorette party. Would you disagree with me on that? Would you agree with me on that? Look, I think there's a number of layers to that particular onion. I think there is a kind of, and this is something I've written about in in a number of different contexts, certain events in life allow people a kind of get out of jail free card, a kind of of bonus round, if you like, where, excuse me, something Mm -hmm. flew into my throat. Um, a kind of bonus round thing where you allow, sorry, I'm going to have to have a drink of water. So. Sure, I can pause. <clears throat> Resume. So, yeah, that's okay. Um, so I think there there is a number of aspects to this particular onion. I think one of them and something I've written about previously is the idea that certain events in life allow people a kind of bonus round experience. Think about holidays or when you go on vacation and you're a little bit outside of your normal comfort zone and you kind of mm. do things you wouldn't normally do at home. You often dress a little bit differently. You know, yeah. your attitude is a little more relaxed. And I think there are certain cultures 
natural things that we do that allow people that little bubble of surreal time. And a bachelorette party for me is like that, where you're acting a little bit ridiculous, but it gets justified on the basis of this event. You know, normally we're not drinking out of penis straws, for example, but you <laughs> might do it, you know, unless that's what you're into and no shaming there. But there you go. Most of us aren't doing that, but an event and a reason to do it like a bachelorette party cuts people some slack and allows them to do things that no ordinary life doesn't sustain. Totally. And what is it is it out of line to say that bachelorette parties have become and this is not negative, but hypersexualized, either for the, the better or for the worst? Look, I think at least in our living memory, they're going to be connected to sex because we've got this idea, even though most people will actually now have had premarital sex. Totally. If you think about the origins of marriage and the idea of, you know, most people being expected to be virgins until marriage, uh. there was absolutely always sex there in the sense that the bisex there, I mean, that the expectation that that's primarily what the wedding night was about. You know, you're getting married so you can finally have the sex. So that sort of um oh that that historical factor i think is still really important now even though the bride has likely already seen her partner's penis many times there's not <laughs> going to be the grand reveal i think that's still a bit of a hang up from the past where the grand reveal was happening on the wedding night and therefore there was a lot of uh, mystique and and mystery because also think about you know once upon a time we're only talking a generation or so ago even if you had or hadn't seen your partner's penis you probably didn't have a lot of exposure to any penises at all whereas oh, now point. yeah you know pornographic culture you know outside of let's say art but now everyone is you know an arm's length away from an infinite supply of penises should they want to have a look therefore there's not that element of oh my god what will it look like but yet we've still got that idea of it's still being a little bit funny to kind of joke around it and that I think ties into the fact that culturally we're still a little weird about talking about sex, even though we're in a sex saturated culture. Yeah, I actually I'm glad that you said that because I am interested to know, like, the what do you think that the use of phallic shaped symbols at bachelorette parties suggest? Is it some sort of re reverse objectification? I think there's an, yeah, I think there's some element of objectification in the sense of reducing, you know, your future husband to a straw. <laughs> but I think it's more also about the bawdiness of it, the idea of just doing something that seems raunchy because Ooh. it's so outside of ordinary life and you're cutting some slack to everyone. Not just the bride to be but the the entourage as well that we're acting silly it's justified because it's a bachelorette party or you know in australia it's often called a hen's night Ooh, and you, okay yeah you also the brits also use the same term the hen's night hen's that that, night. Yeah, that, that i and yeah so it's bucks i think i think the us use bucks for men as well mm -hmm. but bachelor party but it's here it's it's generally termed a buck's turn but that that <laughs> idea of being a little bit sort of uh, off the leash yourself you know going a little bit wild I think because um you know penises in any fashion aren't in the public domain we make them in the public domain through a a bachelor party, a bachelorette party, even though it's in the sort of safety of a of novelty items. Totally. And the bachelorette 
penis decor business is a multi-million dollar industry. I was floored in reading some figures for the prep for this episode. So I, I have to ask, like, do you think that this trend of penis party favors will go is going to continue? Or do you think that we might taper off? <laughs> Look, I think one of the th- the, the aspects of tradition is that if you grew up or went to these events when you were a bit younger it normalizes the idea that that's probably something you'll continue to do yourself in the sense Uh. that even if you're doing it ironically even if it's a bit tongue-in-cheek (laughs) <laughs> there'll be some people who'll just perpetuate it because it's a so it's now tradition kind of think about things you do at Christmas you don't necessarily think about your choices in terms of why do we always do that at Christmas we just do it because we've always done it mm-hmm. and I think there's a component of that with a lot of the rituals around marriage and weddings is that there's not a lot of thought it's rather well I've been to these parties in the past and we've got to get the penis straws and we've got to get these ah, and okay there's an element there of just it's what's done but I think that there are also a group of people who aren't going to do that who are going to have a a a bachelorette party but who feel that that's a bit uncouth who feel that that's you know trashy lowbrow low class whatever it might be and therefore consciously decide that we don't want an event like that and look this is okay there's always been you know pick any cultural trend there'll always be people who embrace and others who reject it Definitely. And I wanted to actually, speaking of like the rise of queer marriages, like, do you think that that's going to shift the conversation around rituals such as this one at bachelorette parties? Yeah. And this was something that was discussed a lot in the lead up to the legalization of same sex marriage in Australia, where there was a lot of people who felt that while we need uh, equality within the law, do we necessarily need to model a same sex marriage on the same lines as a heterosexual marriage? Great question. And is it just about embracing a kind of conservative institution? And as a feminist, I can sit here and identify a whole lot of problems with marriage in terms of its (laughs) origins and, you know, whether it necessarily serves women. But I think that then raises this question of, of, let's say, queer marriages. Do you need to do all of the rituals that um, might have been done, you know, with your friends' heterosexual unions? Or, in fact, do you get the opportunity to go somewhere different with this, you know, with this tradition? And because it's, you know, if you think of the bachelor and bachelorette parties being gender segregated, if it's a same-sex union, are you all partying beforehand? In which case does it become more like, you know, the, the pre-wedding gatherings you kind of see in the United States less so in other countries where you'll have a kind of um almost a what do they call it practice wedding or a a rehearsal uh, dinner that's the word I'm trying to look for (laughs) rehearsal dinner which is a very foreign concept to Australians and largely outside of the US you don't see this concept but that idea of yeah but you know, that idea of, well, if, if, if we're both women or if we're both men, um, can we have this party together? In which case, do you then get, you know, um, drinking straws if, if it's a bachelor? <laughs> you know, there's many questions <laughs> yeah. to ask. What are the novelty items to have at this queer uh, rehearsal party dinner slash, you know, it's, it's an interesting question. But I, I do like the fact that as society changes, you get the opportunity to accept or reject tradition and to decide how relevant is it to us and to our marriage going forward. 
I love that. I think that's a really, really great point. And I want to segue just a little bit to talk about freedom as it pertains to marriage, if that's all right with you. Of course. So you gave a quote to an article on Vice called Prosecco and Penis Straws. uh, (laughs) And that quote was, there's an assumption freedom will stop once you get married. And this is partly and that this party is your last chance to get all that debauchery out of your system. You said that. And I want to know if you think that this antiquated notion still persists. Yeah, look, I think most people who enter a marriage-like institution, be it, let's say, a de facto relationship or a formal marriage, are doing it with the intention of being monogamous. Now, we know statistics vary, but let's say around 50% of people thereabouts are going to actually fall, right? They're not going to be able to stick to the monogamy. But most people enter their union with the assumption that they will be faithful. Now, being faithful, being monogamous, even if you, uh, let's just stick with the idea that you're intending to be, that (laughs) means forsaking all others in a sexual sense. You've chosen to hitch your wagon to this person and to their genitals forever and ever, and that's it. Now, we're obviously from this conversation excluding people who are polyamorous and people who are swingers and people who've made other lifestyle choices. We're talking about people who've chosen to do a monogamous marriage. You have to forsake all others. So that idea that you are having to get the debauchery out of your system, yes, I think it's it, it, it remains true. I think people don't feel necessarily... Uh, restricted by it initially. I think they know that it means that, you know, okay, I now need to stick with one person. But there's still an element there of making a choice and saying no to other choices. And therefore, I think some of the bachelor or bachelorette party aspect is about sort of acknowledging that that aspect of your life is going to change once you get married and that there is an element of last hurrahness to it. Even if we know lots of marriages end in divorce, lots of marriages get betrayed and cheated on, etc. The (laughs) objective when you go into it is we're assuming we're going to be monogamous. That's the hope. Definitely. I also have to point out a, a, a slogan I think that you just gave to the marriage world, uh, hitching myself to this dude's genitals. <laughs> I, think, I think that that should be like a, a, a t-shirt. Yeah. How am I not in the bumper sticker business? It's a really, I, it's, a, it's an important question. My talents are being wasted <laughs> at universities. It's true. I love it. I think it's brilliant. Um, so my final question in the interview is for any listeners who may may have bachelorette parties on the horizon or maybe planning them for friends and may want to get their sexy on, but don't want to do so in the penis straw and necklace <laughs> fashion. Uh, what are some fun alternatives? Any Look, suggestions you may have? I think the first thing is also to really understand who it is you're throwing the party for, right? In the sense that is this someone, someone who would, you know, is your friend someone who would embrace this stuff? Because if they are, if they have a sense of humor that allows them to get the penis straws and the penis, I've seen penis pasta shapes, you know, all (laughs) kinds of stuff. If they want to frequent big penis industry, right, they should totally feel free to do it. I think that there's an element here of, and I hope it hasn't, but sort of judginess crept into my voice. I'm really okay. Do whatever you like that brings you happiness. The only thing I'd mentioned there though, is if the 
a bride to be is actually not into it, this could actually be incredibly embarrassing for her. So I think we just need to not foist our own ideas about what a bachelor party or bachelorette party is on a bride if we kind of feel that there could be any apprehensiveness at all about this because social media has a really long memory and someone is going to have a camera and this could just feel humiliating for the for the bride to be. I think other aspects though is you don't have to go down that party. I think all of us have been to bad uh, bachelorette or in Australia hen's nights and they've been regrettable experiences. For me, for example, I learned something about myself at one of them. It was make a dress out of toilet paper. I'm not sure mm. if this is a custom that they've had in the yes. US. Yes. Right. And this was, I'm not a bachelorette type of person, but I went because it was my a close friend. I a horrible competitive streak came out in me. I was seriously took this incredibly serious. My dress was the best and I didn't win. And this oh. was devastating to me. But suffice to say, I'm trying I'm on your to side, move, Lauren. I'm, on I'm your trying side. to move on from that moment, but I really feel that I was robbed. <laughs> that idea of there being many different directions you can take this event in is important. You don't have to do the, you know, uh, novelty penis item party thing. There are other directions you can go into. There are also sex positive ways that you can make the party without making it all about the penis. So if you think about other types of, you know, uh, we're getting more comfortable talking, for example about culturally anyway about sex toys and stuff you could have it as a party connected to sexuality but not this kind of penis totem pole that we're all dancing around <laughs> although that sounds like a possible party game <laughs> I that i have not say, yet played like, yeah i want to i want to do penis totem pole and not pin the dick on the hunk like again I these, I play. these are options that we could get a copy <laughs> uh, get a patent out and start this yes yeah <laughs> You have a new side hustle, Laura. I really do. I just, the more I talk to Chiana, the more I feel my talents are just being squandered. Perfect. Well, I want to do a little rapid fire with with you, if that's okay. Sure. Sure. Okay, so this is the part of the show that is pure fun, just for listeners to get to know you. Because we've been having such a miserable time today, that now things go in a dramatically (laughs) different direction. I'm ready for it. Perfect. Okay. Who is your favorite feminist? Oh, oh, I, I don't have one and I don't have one because I've got very mixed views about having role models. And so, yes, I consciously do not have a favorite feminist. Okay, perfect. Do you have a cyber safe space or a place on the internet that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy? Uh, yes, I like reading reviews for makeup and skincare products. Ooh, that's a good one. I tend to do that when I'm feeling like when I'm having a bad day and I know I may as well though get my income paid directly to Sephora. Like uh, I just it's <laughs> it's an issue. It is an issue for me. So it's not a healthy you know, I kind of think of safe space as warm fuzzy as opposed to bankrupting, but Got that's it. its own issue. I hear you. I hear you. Target has the Target 200, but I feel like Sephora has like the yeah. Sephora 300. Like you yeah. can't leave a Sephora online or in person without No, and, and lockdowns really didn't fix this because online shopping just makes it so much easier. That's true. The only person who's really winning here is Sephora. Yeah. Uh, what's the music that you have on repeat? Depends on my mood. Uh, I tend to like a lot of British music from the early 1980s. Cool. So dark Smith stuff when I kind of really feel like I need a good cathartic cry. 
Great. I feel like I can actually very much agree with you on that. The Smiths are really good for a good rainy day in your feelings. Yeah. And I I just tend to always be drawn to that. If I'm listening to music consciously, it's because I'm wanting to sort of feel through it. Got it. Yeah. A conduit for emotion. Exactly. Where's your dream travel destination? Oh, I am very, very lucky that I have been able to do lots and lots of travel, um, except for the past two years because (laughs) uh, I'm locked on a prison island. I've never been to Tokyo and I've always wanted to go. So, yes, we'll put Tokyo. Sweet. Nothing to do with the recent Olympics, actually, but just in general, I've always wanted to go. Just some good R&R, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, did you watch it at the Olympics? I Just don't. I'm, a- very, I'm very not into sport. Uh, okay. So, no, I didn't. I Yeah, no. I tried to get into it and I was like, I can't, like, I, I'm not checking on these this year. I don't the know The only thing I did see was a clip. You know how they had to get the medals off the tray themselves? Yeah. And I kind of wondered how come, because this would be a very Australian thing to do. Why doesn't the Australian <laughs> grab the other medal that's not theirs? Because it just feels like, oh! I suppose, it just feels like I'm surprised <laughs> no one did it because it's such an Australian sense of humour thing to do. But I imagine because of all the COVID protocols, they wouldn't have read as funny. But I saw that scene and I thought, mm, Australians have the sense of humour that they totally grabbed the wrong medal anyway. <laughs> Americans have a sense of humour that'd be like, silver, you know what, I'll take the gold, yeah. actually. I, that's it's what I, I deserve. Exactly. I don't want second place. I want yeah. first, regardless yeah. of whatever. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what would your last meal on earth be? Mm, probably macaroni and cheese. Ooh, good standby. Oh. What's the last purchase that you made that really excited you? Hmm. It would be a bottle of expensive perfume, except that I can't narrow it down because there are too many purchases of, oh, actually, we'll do Tom Ford's Bitter Peach was the last Great. perfume. I, I, yeah. And I mean, yes, it's exciting because I love perfume. Wonderful. Uh, did Sephora, was it was Sephora the place where it was purchased from? <laughs> Sephora was not the per- place that I purchased this one for. I bought it from a, a department store in, in my city, uh, yeah. Wonderful. And final question, bad days. We all have them. What's your remedy for a bad day? Hmm. Normally I would go to the cinema. The issue there though is that I'm in the sixth lockdown in my city. So I have not been to the movies in over a year, but that would be my standard default is just getting out of the house and going to the cinema. A cinema is a place where I feel that I have no distractions except the movie and it helps to clear my head. Oh, I love that. Dr. Lauren Rosewarn, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. It has been a delight and I've been, yeah, very grateful for you to invite me. Definitely. One last thing. Where can my listeners find you? We want all the plugs. (laughs) I have a website. It's uh, myname.com. So laurenrosewarn.com. That's also my Twitter handle and my Facebook. What do we call it? Facebook place. (laughs) Anyway. That works for me. Yeah. (laughs) The face place for sure. The face place. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much listeners for tuning in. I'll be back next time. Bye guys. I am Alana Webster on Instagram. I am at Renegade of Fun. If you would like to follow the show on socials, we are at Black and Yellow Podcast. If you want to reach out to me, tell me your deepest, darkest secrets, just send me a fun little email. You can absolutely do that at podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com. I'll be back next week. Take it easy.